forgot what I was doing. Welcome to that deep row. Serious questions uh, with silly people. I'm your host, Christina P. Someone suggested that I put the uh, emphasis on my first name, and I like that. That's a really good suggestion. Christina P. <laughs> it feels like WNBC. Anyway. Hi, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's going to be a good week, right? Are we feeling, are we feeling positive vibes? <laughs> I don't know if I am. I think I'm uh, I'm feeling survival vibes. It's been a crazy week. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But first, uh, if you love That's Deep Bro and you want to support my show, please shop through my Amazon banner. What that means is you go to thatsdeepbropodcast.com. Under every entry, you know, blog post, there's a little square that says Amazon. You just click on that and then you do your shopping as you normally would and it just kicks back some change to me, to my show. And also, come see me do stand-up. For those of you that came out in the last couple of weeks, three weeks, I appreciate it. In LA, I'm running an hour and um, hoping to get it recorded and put out into the world. It is about time, y'all. It is about time. So come see me April 7th uh, at the Irvine Improv um, eight o'clock show. And then, um, oh, April 20th, the Ventura Comedy Club, April 20th, Ventura Comedy Club, 8 p.m., May 27th and May 28th at the La Jolla Comedy Store in La Jolla, California. That's just fancy San Diego, y'all. Fancy San Diego. Um, and that's it. Listen to your mom's house if you don't already. I'm sure you do. Hello. Who doesn't like that show? And uh, that's it. Those are that's it for commercials today. You know, you know. Okay, let's get into it. You know, I don't know what today's episode is going to be. Uh, quite frankly, Mr. Shankly, because I'm kind of all over the map, dudes. You know, I, I got to admit, I'm just uh, I'm in it right now. I'm a little in it. I don't know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> but first, <clears throat> I do want to start with this because I don't know. I woke up this morning. Uh, at five in the morning with my little my little baby jeans like I do, and uh, oh I don't want to play that song and I you know I just I, I wake up early I read the emails that come in I don't always answer them I apologize and it's not because I don't have love in my heart for you it's because I have uh, an infant on one arm <clears throat> who prohibits me from texting back so sorry i i don't i love i read i think about you all but i don't answer you all the time um okay let's start with this i just uh you know come on man let's get into this let's get into the groove boy you've got to prove your love to me here we go okay i'm gonna start the show let's go let's go let's get fucking let's get pumped
Let's take it home. Oh. See, that's what I needed. That is what I fucking needed, bros. A little, a little Pixies always puts you right. Oh, it's such a good song, right? Makes you want to feel, makes you want to try, makes you want to pull the stars from the sky. <laughs> the lyrics don't sound as good when you say them, do they? They sound so retarded. But I, I love that song. And that's from the Pixies, which is probably the greatest band ever, 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 in my opinion, ever. They influenced Nirvana. They influenced everybody, the Pixies. And, and like, tragically, one of the most, um, I would say, like, under the radar still kind of bands. They never had the um, tremendous commercial success that all the bands that they influenced did. Which is tragic, so tragic, because every Pixies album is more amazing than the one before it, and they're all kind of different, mainly because, excuse me, the people in the band couldn't hold it together. Uh, They fucking hated each other, which is hilarious to me. It's, It's amazing how people who just fucking hate each other can come together and make the most influential uh, alternative music <laughs> of their of their time, and it's interesting because they met in like uh, they met in Boston, I believe, and because of uh, an ad that Frank Black put out, the singer just posted an ad, like a flyer, I want to say, or maybe a newspaper ad. I'm not sure. And it was like, hey, I want to make a band. <laughs> We're looking for people to make music, and uh, the people in the Pixies answered. Kim Deal being one of them. Hello, my hero. And uh, and they made like amaze fucking music, but they also hate each other. And there's a great documentary about them called Loud, Quiet, Loud. If you want to see what the fuck I'm talking about, it's so great. It's just so great. And there's one part in the documentary of the drummer uh, just kind of goes off the rails one night during a song and just keeps drumming. <laughs> there's, a, there's a drum part in the song, but then he just keeps going. And they're like, uh, bro, and he's so high that he doesn't know what's happening. Uh, life is good, isn't it? Life is good. So anyway, that was the Pixies version of Pound. But little uh, known fact, or big known fact, and I hate when people don't give credit, um, it's actually a remake. Yeah. Oh, who's this? See how darker this one is? I like it. Ooh, sexier even. So this is Jesus and Mary Chain. Right? A little bit different. It's just sexier. Jesus and Mary Chain. I never liked the name for that band. I don't know why. It's not cool to me. These guys were way cooler and slicker. And this is their song, and the Pixies recorded it, too. I guess they're a big fan of them. It's a good song, and I play this song uh, because there were many nights in my life where I did not want to get up and do stand-up comedy. There were many times I had shows uh, in, in bars, sometimes in old folks' homes where they were eating their dinners, and I would park outside and contemplate running away 
many, many, many nights. And the only thing that would get me through it was music. And I would play either that version, the Jesus and Mary Chain version, or uh, the Pixies of Head On, because it put my head in a different space. It got me... It got me emotionally uh, into a better area, and I could go forward from there. Isn't that funny how music can do that to you? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty transcendent. It's pretty fucking deep, bro. Uh, that a song can like change your whole your whole demeanor, your whole outlook. Which brings me to my little idea today. I had for a show. Uh, you know, I had a, a fucking hellacious week. You know, I normally don't download that's not true i download you guys but I, you know i don't really uh get into too many details of my uh ridiculous life but my husband had to go to cleveland this week cleveland cleveland the frozen shithole known as cleveland i apologize if you're living there now <laughs> i just i'm sorry for you because i fucking hate cleveland no offense i'm sure you're i think you know what it was it's not you guys it's the club i used to do in that city was just wow i mean that's the city that i had merchandise stolen off the table from and uh the very first time i did a club in cleveland i had a the very first show i'm saying a prostitute and her john were thrown out i didn't throw them out i am pro prostitute and pro john but it was quite a scene, like, like kind of not a good welcome to a city where you're like, what's going on? Oh, they're throwing out a hooker? Cool. Welcome. Um, but whatever. There's wonderful people there, I'm sure. I just didn't meet. They just didn't come to my shows. Maybe that was the problem. Um, <clears throat> and also, I don't like snow. Fuck it. You know, sorry. And that, you know, that's most of the country then. Sorry. I don't like cold. I don't like being cold. Fuck being cold. It's the worst. I, li- I live, I grew up in LA. That's, this is where I belong. So anyways... Point of the story is, husband's in Cleveland. I'm here alone with little Lord Fartleroy, our son. I got two dogs, one of which we got from the shelter. Uh, He's a death row inmate, and he is the fucking best dog I have ever had in my entire life. And I know you guys are nodding your heads in agreement because those of you that have rescued dogs know that they are fucking some reason super grateful they know you've saved their lives and they chill at least mine does dude he chills so hard little thief he just like he's just an old ass gangster you know he's he just sleeps he snacks the guy seldom shits in the house like seldom like if something's wrong he'll do it if you know if he's sick just the best dog and then there's the other dog the other dog I decided to get because I wanted Fief to have a companion, which I don't even think he wants a companion. I think I wanted it for him more than he wanted it. He seemed fine. Now looking back, <laughs> maybe, maybe he just wanted to be left alone. And I forced this other dog into our world. Her name is Bitsy, and um, she's still a puppy. But Jesus fucking Christ, she is dumber than a box of hammers cute as can be probably the cutest dog i've ever owned but i paid for this dog which is probably mistake number one she's a brussels a brussels griffon is the name of the breed and purebred and i'm in love with this breed they're so cute they're just they're little ewoks they're those ewok dogs you know that dog verdell uh in as good as it gets that's the breed. Okay. So I saw that movie and I was like, oh my God, I want a Verdell. What is this dog? They're just so cute. And 
and I love I just love the I like stupid little small dogs I'm not a big dog girl I don't I don't want to be cleaning up those piles you know like my dad always said small dog makes small shit big dog makes big shit always gets small dog and I totally agree with that dude why why do you want to clean up disastrous piles of diarrhea because believe me every dog gets diarrhea and it's it's the difference between cleaning up oh it's a little it's a little whiff a little (laughs) just a little smear of diarrhea versus a pound of fucking horseshit which is what big dogs do and then they chew everything up they ruin everything you know bitsy chew stuff but she only she only not she can't really destroy anything because she's like what you know 10 pounds she's a little lab dog Anyway, the dumbest fucking dog I've ever had. This dog eats everything. I mean, Christmas ornaments. I found her eating a glass Christmas ornament this past December. I just pulled, I'm not exaggerating, a nail out of her mouth. A nail. A nail. She chews on it, plays with it, doesn't really eat it, but chews on it, plays with it. Uh, It just eats everything, too, in the backyard. And we moved to this place. And there's fruit trees in the backyard, and they drop rotten lemons and limes on the ground. Uh, uh, and, uh, and there's some miscellaneous tree that's making seeds now that are dropping. And of course, Dum Dum is eating all these seeds and all the fruit and what? Getting diarrhea all over my house. And it's like she gets, I feed her the pumpkin, the rice, I give her the fucking whatever, and then a week later, just more diarrhea. So my husband's gone. Uh, we don't have, we, we're in transitioning with help. I don't have family here, neither does Tom. So we have to outsource help with nanny. And, you know, it's a new nanny, so I'm afraid to leave the kid alone. I got shows this weekend at Flappers, 8 and 10 o'clock. I, you know, I, so I help, I ask my cousin to come sit and watch the nanny, make sure she's not a fucking sociopath. I get home from my shows at Flappers around 1230 at night and then, you know, little Lord Fartleroy wakes up at 5 a.m. If I'm lucky, <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. So, I'm, you know, I get like five hours of sleep, maybe, maybe. But this damn dog, she's up with diarrhea every hour. So she's eating something and I'm up with the dog in the backyard and it's one o'clock. She's taking a shit. I put her in her crate. She's pawing at it again. It's 2 a.m. I'm outside. I'm watching this dog take a shit. Meanwhile, my kid is wailing upstairs on the monitor. I hear that. Now I'm torn between my dog having diarrhea in the backyard and my kid crying upstairs. It's three in the morning and I got to wake up in two hours with the kid. I got shows tonight. I haven't slept. Like, it's just, like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm playing out the story in my head. I'm, I'm playing this out, how this weekend is going to go because I can't perform for two shows. If I can't sleep, I can't recover. You know what I mean? It's a fucking disaster. And I'm, in, I'm going through all this. It's four in the morning. The dog's got diarrhea. The kid's crying. Here we go. And I'm in it. And I'm, my mind is going forward. My mind is going back. You know, it's everywhere. I'm angry at my husband for being gone, even though he has to be gone for work. My rational mind knows this. My emotional brain doesn't. I'm mad at the dog for eating whatever the fuck she's eaten again for the 500th time. <sighs> Little Lord Fartleroy can't really be mad at him i'm annoyed that he's crying but he's just a little baby he doesn't know any better and the whole time i'm like all right all right what can i do i can either a stay angry b 
stay in the, the feeling of this drama, right? Keep living the drama. Keep telling myself the injustice of it all. Or C, I can calm the fuck down. I can just kind of, I don't know, man, go with the flow, right? I can go with the flow of this horribleness and just calm the fuck down. And so it's kind of weird. I've never done that before, but I... Like I shut down the part of my brain that was telling me the story of how awful it was. If that makes sense. I told myself, self, I says self, enough. Enough complaining about, enough. Enough narrating the horrors of what's happening to you. I know you're tired. I know you're worried that you're not going to get enough sleep for your shows. I know that you're... Worried about this dog. I know you're planning a trip to the vet. I know, I know. But right now, it's four in the morning. And right now, oddly enough, everything's kind of okay. Yeah, you're tired, but believe it or not, you can kind of talk yourself out of being tired, which is something I've trained myself to do like a fucking Marine. Uh, It's all in the mind. It kind of is, you know, um... So yeah, I stopped telling myself the story and I calmed down and I realized, oh, wait a minute, I read somewhere you can give a dog Pepto-Bismol in very tiny calculated amounts. And I thought to myself, why the fuck haven't I done this? Anyway, I came up with a solution, a temporary Band-Aid on Bitsy so that I could go back to bed for how many? Couple of hours, three hours. Little Lord Fart Leroy, we woke up later. I took naps with him during the day. So believe it or not, everything kind of worked out. In the end, but I, I think the breakthrough here was that I stopped telling myself how horrible shit was, and I came up with a solution in the midst of all that drama because I was able to not fucking uh, monologue to myself about the horrors of my home. And yeah, I mean, look, the dog's not okay yet. We gotta take her to vet. This is ridiculous. Um, but I thought, what if I? Uh, what if I stop narrating? What if I just kind of stop heaping trouble on the trouble when the trouble comes? Because the trouble comes. There's no avoiding trouble. There's no, it's not, there's no such thing as avoiding uh, the constant stream of, uh, of dog shit that you will be stepping in. Uh, right now there's a list I got. There's uh, some bottle caps in the sink that fell down there that it's clogging our sink now and after i record this show i got to find a way to pull a couple of bottle caps out and i got to call uh, this car company i got to call my mom's estate thing you know there's a list of dog shit that happens but it's whether or not you do those things begrudgingly i think right it's whether or not you decide to put your emotional energy behind what you're doing or you just kind of go uh Look, man, I can choose to be okay with this or I can choose to fight it. I can't, you can't fight it, man. <laughs> but as a tangent uh, to this, I thought of this, this idea in Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky, the Russian writer. Uh, Dostoevsky was considered a precursor to existentialism, a Russian. He's a Russian dude. He wrote one of my favorite books called Notes from Underground. If you're in a salty mood, if you want to get into the darkness, if you want to roll around in it and wear it like a lady suit, 
read notes from underground, but only when you're in a dark place, because I think it's uh, perfect for that. It's about uh, the underground man is what he calls himself. He is a man that is so conscious, so smart, so amazing (laughs) that he can't be amongst everybody else in society because everyone else to him are just kind of dopes, right? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, my explanation of Dostoevsky and Notes from Underground is not varsity-level explanation. If you want a proper explanation of this shit, read the book or listen to uh, The Partially Examined Life. Those guys know what the fuck they're talking about. I'm just a comic. I'm just talking about cursory-level shit. So, uh, inertia. Inertia is this wonderful idea that we take from physics, right? Inertia is the resistance of any physical object to any change in its state of motion. This includes changes to its speed, direction, or state of rest. It is the tendency of objects to keep moving in a straight line at constant velocity. So what stays in motion is in motion. What's not in motion is not in motion. And then in uh, inertia, the way Dostoevsky uses it, it's like uh, being stuck, right? You're caught up. You're caught up in the drama. You're caught up in in your thoughts, in the injustice of the moment, in the dog shitting on your fucking staircase again. You're caught up in thoughts about something, and the underground man gets caught up in his own consciousness. Um, he thinks too much, right? And and in thinking too much thinks himself, thinks himself um, out of action. Uh, and inertia happens to him, right? The idea that once you stop, you got to get the ball rolling with a force acting upon you. Yeah. That's interesting, right? Because I think that you got to start your own uh, self, right? I don't know. Anyway, here it goes. Uh, he writes like a, it's a monologue. It's a funny book. It's funny to me. I like I like notes from underground. He says, oh, gentlemen, oh, he's referring to, oh, gentlemen, do you know, perhaps I consider myself an intelligent man only because all my life I have been able neither to begin nor to finish anything. It's interesting because to Dostoevsky, being intelligent means being hyper-conscious, hyper-aware. And frankly, those of us that are hyper-conscious, I think are kind of more prone to not do shit, right? <laughs> yeah, it's you know, you have to overcome inertia. But I think if you think long enough about it, why do anything? You know, why why do anything ever? I think there are many years of my life I I subscribe to that theory of like, why why bother? You're just going to fucking die anyways, right? Why should I try? <laughs> Who cares? Um, but uh, that's not really the way to go, is it? I don't think so. Here, let me read you another thing. Uh, let's see if this is good. No, that's too fucking lofty. Let's see. I invented adventures for myself. This is from Notes from Underground. I invented adventures for myself and made up a life, so at least to live in some way. Tried hard to be in love. I suffered too, gentlemen. I assure you, in the depth of my heart, there was no faith in my suffering, only a faint stir of mockery. And it was, it was all from ennui. Inertia overcame me. You know, the direct legitimate fruit of consciousness is inertia. That is conscious sitting with the hands folded. <laughs> so 
So he's equating consciousness with inertia, the inability to act, the the um, the paralyzing effects of consciousness and suffering. Suffering's huge for Dostoevsky as well. Uh, it's, it goes hand in hand with consciousness is suffering. A lot of philosophers have believed that. <laughs> if you're thinking you're suffering, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. You know, I mean, don't you know people that seem to be pretty fucking happy and they're not thinking much? And um, sometimes I do envy that. But <laughs> the point is inertia. I get it. You don't want to do something. I was stuck about a week before all this shit happened to me. I was sitting uh, in my bedroom, just stuck. You ever been stuck? Stuck. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to listen to music. I don't want to write jokes. Just like stuck. And I sat there and I thought, well, I can keep ruminating and I can keep thinking about how stuck I am and how much I hate doing stuff. Or I could force myself to take a walk outside. And I swear to Christ, it was like, you know, when you're just like, I got to do this, but I don't want to. It was like I had cement shoes <laughs> that were telling me, just go outside. Yeah, but I got these cement shoes. It's so hard to walk with cement shoes. But I forced myself. And you know when you force yourself to take a walk and you, you don't want to in the beginning? And I swear, the first 10 minutes of a walk, my head is down. I'm looking at the pavement. I'm thinking my grumbling thoughts about uh, inertia, my inability to act. Why can't I do what I want to do? I'm fucking such a loser. Why isn't it not working out? Uh, right? The grumblies, the stories, the narration. And then I go for a walk and 10 minutes into it, I look up. I'm, I'm telling you, there's always a point in the walk where I actually look up and I go, well, look at that. That's a fucking flower. Look at the flower. Oh my God, is that a lizard? Did you see that? Did you see the? Did you see that little bird? Did you see the bench in the green? Did you see the fucking stuff? Did you see all the stuff? And then it kind of it snapped me out of it. I just sat on a bench and I watched stuff go by for a minute or two or three or four, as long as it took. And then I came back, and I was legitimately unstuck. But you have to fight the inertia, right? I had to fight the inertia of the moment, the stories of my head, the hyper-consciousness. Because that is what keeps you stuck, is the (laughs) hyper-awareness. The fucking, the dog shitting and the baby crying and it's four in the morning and oh man, I'm never going to get out of this one alive. But I did, you know. I got through the weekend. I had great shows. Thank you for coming. If you did, it was super fun. And I had a great time. And I, if I stopped fighting it, I would just lean into the weirdness of it. And it even helps performing because you're just like, eh, look, I'm not going to remember stuff. I'm just not. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I'm just going to go with it. And I find that the less I resist, the less I resist my thoughts, the less I resist everything, the easier things become for me. Maybe that's a function of age too, where you're like, I can't, you know, I can't bother um, having a personality anymore uh, or creating one. You know what I mean? When you're, it's just, it's so much work. It's just so much easier to 
fucking say whatever I have in my brain. I was watching this show on Netflix that Henry Rollins is in, uh, by the way. I'd never seen Henry Rollins acting, and I'm sorry, and I don't remember the name of the show. It's on Netflix. He, I think he plays some kind of fallen angel. I, I didn't get through the episode entirely, but I was really, really uh, taken with him. He did such a great job. Um, yeah, check him. I Just look on Netflix for Henry Rollins acting. He's so good. And I love these characters in any show where they're just kind of grumbling, miserable cunts. Uh, because I think that's always how I feel uh, inside. And I think society is... The expectation is that uh, women should be very accommodating and cheerful and you know want to make everyone else feel great all the time and uh it's uh, it's always been counter my <laughs> my nature I, you know that's not true though. i mean I, I love i love people and i'm very warm towards those i love and i like making people feel good too yes 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 but not all the time it's um it's exhausting and i think the older you get the more you get comfortable with your 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 shitty personality uh that you don't mind inflicting on the world <laughs> right <laughs> That's a sign of adulthood is fucking inflicting your shit on others. Uh, but also, okay, so in conjunction with this inertia idea, I got an email um, from this wonderful young lady who came to a show uh, at Flappers. And, um, you know, it's you know when something happens to you and it just kind of sticks in your head, it just like, it's it's it rolls around in my brain some of these encounters for days sometimes years and then later I'll put it together like oh shit that was really really meaningful and here's why like there was one time I accidentally went to I kissed I went to kiss my stepdad goodbye and I went for his cheek and he turned his head and like ugh like I my lips met the corner of his mouth and I was like oh oh my god and I like I think about that a lot not in a good way. Um, you know, there's like snapshots of moments, but this is different because this moment I did, I've never really had a moment like this at a show where, um, there are these two beautiful young girls in the audience of flappers. And I was just doing the YooHoo room. It was for like five people at five o'clock in the afternoon. It was ridiculous. It was fun. That was really good. And these two beautiful little girls, I think I mentioned this in, the, in another episode were there. And, um, you know, I bullshit with people if I can, if there's a small enough audience. And, hey, where are you guys from? Oh, Alabama. She goes, we're from Alabama. I'm like, what the, what are you doing here? Well, we moved to LA. And I was so, I was so happy for them that these two girls had moved from the festering shithole that is Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I've done Birmingham. I've done it twice. I gave Birmingham a shot twice, y'all. Roll Tad. And it, it, I gotta say, it, it's a pretty scary place. It's still racially segregated. <laughs> I'm sure I saw some Confederate flags there. Um, it's not for me. It's not for me. And, and, you know, God bless you. If you live in Birmingham, there's like one guy who listens to your mom's house that lives in Birmingham, <laughs> who I love, who sends us a Dreamland barbecue sauce, which is probably the best goddamn barbecue sauce on the planet, is from Dreamland. Goddamn. Roll tat. But... Anyways, these girls had moved and they were, they're so young. When I say girls, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean it in a pejorative sense. I mean, you, you look at young people and you're like, you're so, you're 20 years old. I mean, couldn't have been more than 22 or 23, I guess. 
and the, the chutzpah, the cojones to leave everything you know at that age and pack up and come across the country and lay roots in a major city. And LA is not an easy city to come to. It is inhospitable. <laughs> There's a reason the settlers, the fucking bravest of the brave, come west. It's, you know, LA is it's, it's physically large. It's a sprawling suburban layout. Um, then now there's more of a center. There is a downtown for years. We didn't have one. You need a car to live here. There's no such thing as public transportation. There's buses, but you know, come on, only masturbators and the unfortunate of humans take the bus, which I was one of those for many years. So that's why I say that. Cause I know from experience, um, it's harder to meet people because those of us that are from here already have friends. And a lot of people that come in to L.A. kind of come in, bounce around, and then leave again. So, you know, it's a city of transplants and a city of OG motherfuckers like me who grew up here who are like, no thanks, I'm all friended up. I don't need no more friends. And um, hold on, I was going to write this down before I forget my thought. So these two cutie patoots moved to L.A. God bless them. And I was so taken with that because the courage that, that it takes one to leave everything you've known and to leave something like Birmingham. Talk about inertia. Talk about a place left in time. Talk about um, stagnation. (laughs) Have I I insulted enough people's cities today? Cleveland and Birmingham, not happy with me. It's okay, it's fine. Uh, But no, let's face facts. There are parts of this country that are stuck in inertia, that refuse to, quote, conform to what all the weirdos are doing outside of itself, right? Um, but imagine growing up in the South amongst those people and not having anybody around you that reflected your tribe. I mean, I get emails from people that grew up in religious like backgrounds that they're trying to get away from and imagine that mindset of, of whatever the fuck that is and then being like, I got to get out and the terror of not knowing what's on the other side of getting out. And I remember being that age and I remember moving around and I remember the horrors of it. So I talked to these young girls. I ended up kind of, you know, starting a little um, social media relationship. (laughs) Anyway, I got an email from one of them and I'm sorry I haven't written back to her yet. I swear to God, I read things. I just don't always respond. And um, it was, you know, uh, about the trials and tribulations of essentially getting unstuck and I was like, yeah, dude, I get it. I get it. Um, wait, hold on. I have to pee so bad. Please hold. One moment. Oh, oh. Okay, sorry. Back. I, had to, I just had to urinate. I kept thinking about it. Okay, so these little girls came across the country, and now um, she emailed me and is going through some stuff because change is horrible. Change is hard. Being unstuck, getting unstuck, taking the cement shoes off, or walking with your cement shoes is fucking horrible and being young and broke and not knowing what you're going to do or who you're going to go with or anything. It's probably the worst time in your, in your life is your, your twenties. And it's like, it's just, it's glamorized in our media. Like this is the best time of your life. (laughs) You guys just like disco dancing every night. You guys are partying and getting laid. And yeah, there's some of that. And I think there's also a ton of confusion. So 
if I can, because I do get a lot of emails from young people, young people, I'm like eight years old, younger people, um, saying, I live in this horrible small town. I am A, gay, B, former Jehovah's Witness slash whatever, put in religious movement. C, from a small town where nobody gets me, I need to go. And I agree with you. So number one, if you're listening to me and you're in some shitty town and you fucking hate it, leave, leave, leave now. And don't wait. I mean, no, no, here's why. Wait a little, but leave, leave and don't come back. (laughs) Number one, find a good city to live in. Uh, If you don't like LA, I mean, there's other places. There's Seattle. Seattle's great. Portland's amazing. Uh, Canada, Canada's great. Toronto's great. New York City's amazing. Miami's pretty crazy if you like that. Um, Chicago, if you can handle the weather, is pretty rad. Like, I mean major cities, guys. Okay, pick one. Oh, Colorado is so cool. Anywhere in Colorado, geez. I'm trying to think of other places I've been to that I think are halfway decent, <laughs> inhabitable places. Oh, I like Montana, too, oddly enough. Uh, uh, let me think. Okay, I think I've covered the places I might potentially live. Um, okay, so pick a place, a good place, a big place, a place with so many people in it um, that you're bound to find others like you. And that's number one. You got your plan. Uh, get your money. Get a lot of money, as much money as you can into a savings account because money solves everything. You can throw money at any problem and it's fucking solved, at least in America. And Mm, and except for cancer, but everything else, pretty good. Money solves a lot of problems. So get your life, get your money together. Beg, borrow, steal as much as you can, okay? Number two, life in Los Angeles is very expensive because it's not Birmingham, Alabama, and it's not some fucking tiny shithole that you're from. It's expensive. But here's the thing. You make money, uh, you make more money here right? Because it adjusts itself a bit. Yes, you'll still be poor because you're in your 20s and everybody in their 20s is poor. Uh, you're, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of the rules, but um, you're going to make enough to cover it. If you have a car, that's fantastic. If you don't, you need to get a car of some kind, anything. You know what? That's not true. You can take Uber now. Sorry, scratch that. You can Uber everywhere and it might be cheaper to actually Uber than own a car nowadays with the insurance and the gas and all that crap, the payments, just pay for Uber. Okay. Rule number one of life in Los Angeles. If anybody's listening and they want to move here and you're young and even if you're not, if you're broke, find a roommate. It's extremely expensive to come here and live alone. Extremely. I mean, I'm telling you, I lived in the ghetto and I paid a thousand fifty bucks or something for some one bedroom shithole, and I'm talking in the Rampart Division of Los Angeles, like bang bang stab stab region of LA, and I paid that much. That's just the baseline, okay? So find a roommate. Don't live with a stranger though. Don't just go on Craigslist and find some lunatic that puts tin foil on the windows and doesn't put sheets on his bed and leaves milk in his room. Ask a friend of a friend. That's what Facebook is for now. Have someone post something on Facebook who lives in LA. There's so many ways to know a friend of a friend that you can live with. And number two, I know sometimes people move out with boyfriends and girlfriends or they have a long distance relationship, okay? Now we're going to see what it's like to live together. Okay, here's my thoughts on that. 
it's not always inherently bad to move to a city for a guy or a girl. It's not terrible. It's not the worst reason. And sometimes I think we look for reasons to get us unstuck. Sometimes you need a catalyst to fight inertia, right? And sometimes that other person is your excuse to do something big. Sometimes you need that justification. Do you watch Better Call Saul? I hope you do. It's a fucking, my favorite black comedy. I just, that character of Saul is my, ah, I get it. He's a loser. He's an outcast, but he's using his outcastness to his benefit. That's the best part is turning your weaknesses into strengths. And that's why I fucking love Better Call Saul. God, if I could be on a show, that's the only show I'd want to be on right now. It's so good. The point is, oh, shit, I forgot my point with Saul. Oh, right. He wants to go out on his own. So season two I'm on and he wants to go out on his own and become his own man, his own attorney. But he reaches out to his friend, Kim Wexler, and says, let's start something together, right? And I know why he did that, because I've done that, where you think, oh, I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing, but I can't do it alone. I need a buddy. I need, I need to do this with somebody else. And sometimes you do, and sometimes that works. And that's a stepping stone to doing what you really want to do. So yeah, moving for a guy, moving for a girl, not inherently bad, but not necessarily the greatest idea. So I would recommend maybe finding a roommate near and living near where that person lives that you're dating long distance. And the reason long distance relationships tend to be weird is that you kind of need to know somebody day in and day out to get a really good picture of what they're like and what you two are like. You need to share some kind of life. Um, And that's why they're weird when you get together with that long distance person and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, shit. I don't know you day to day. (laughs) Um, They've never worked for me personally. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. Absolutely. For sure. It probably works for some people. Yeah. Uh, But try not to live with that person. (laughs) Try to live with a roommate near that person. I think that would help. Um, Oh, and if you move to LA and you're and you're a 20-something-year-old, the best way to meet other people in LA, I'm telling you, is through waiting tables. I know it sounds crazy, but if you can't get a job before you move to a city, try to fucking get a job before you move, young people. Here's how you do it. I mean, this in this day and age, there's Skype, right? You can Skype interview um, anybody, which and I, I'm telling you, as an employer... That person will be so thrilled that you took initiative to fucking Skype interview before you moved to a city. And, you know, I, I don't know. At least I would be. I'd be like, wow, that really shows amazing initiative of a young person. Anyway, uh, find a job. If not, land in L.A. and go wait tables until you find a fucking job. Waiting tables is the best. Gives you a lot of free time. You make some killer tips, but don't wait tables in a shitty place. Go to kind of an upper tier place. Like I waited tables everywhere everywhere. The best was a French restaurant that no longer exists across from the Hollywood Improv. It was called Mustache Cafe and it was like a higher end French place and it was full of Russians and they would all order duck salad, duck salad, Long Island iced tea, Long Island iced tea. And they would bring their own vodka and throw the empty bottles into the bushes, which was hilarious. Uh, But they were decent tippers and I met a lot of people my age who were into the same things I were. A lot of people who were starting in comedy or acting or photography or artists, whatever it was, 
and they were kind of in the same boat. And there's a lot of people, transplants, that weigh tables. And that's where you'll meet other people from small towns who have moved to Los Angeles who don't know what the fuck to do and don't know what neighborhood to live in. That's another thing. Pick your neighborhood. It's all, it's all where you live in LA. You like uh, alternative shit? Go live in Silver Lake or Echo Parque. Uh, you want to live by the beach and be kind of hippie, bohemian? Go to Santa Monica. Go to Venice. You want to be fucking in the burbs? Go to the valley. Live in the valley. Um, it's all broken down by where you live here in LA. Anyways, but the biggest thing I can recommend anybody moving in your 20s, once you leave your shitty town that you're from, once you leave the nest, do not go back. You hear me? I left my home when I was 17 years old. I fucking hated living at home. I hated living at home. Can I reiterate that? I was 17 and I left and I never, I came back after I graduated for two whole weeks and I lived at home and I, I went bonkers and I was like, this is it dudes. And I lived with a boyfriend. Hey man, I did it. I don't recommend that for everybody, but it was my only way out and I did it. Uh, I don't recommend that for young girls, but for many reasons, you know, number one, uh, I hate to be old fashioned here, but it's it's not it's not a great arrangement for a young girl to live with a, her boyfriend out of wedlock just because you you know it's just like the best years of your life are kind of spent with a dude who may or may not want to marry you and then you know you're spit out you got no rights you got no stuff because maybe you guys cobot everything you fucking own and uh, it's just gross it's too much. But don't go home again, man. Once you're out, I'm telling you, and I've seen this time and time again, if you go back to your shitty small town, chances are you're never going to leave again. Beg, borrow, steal, be homeless. I lived in a kitchen, a fucking kitchen on a futon in San Francisco just so that I didn't have to go home again. A kitchen, y'all. I'm telling you, with my friends, I lived in the kitchen and I would wake up at seven in the morning with my friends making their coffee. Uh, like I slept in the area where we had the communal TV. And so all my friends would sit on my futon bed and watch television in the kitchen. And then they'd leave and then I'd good night. And then I'd sleep on the futon. <laughs> I lived in a closet under the stairs, literally in a closet that was... Like Harry Potter, that movie, I swear to Christ, I lived in a closet under the stairs in San Francisco just to live with my friends. And and she was $350 in San Francisco in 1998. (laughs) But I fucking did it so that I didn't have to go home to my fucking shitty parents. I would rather live in a closet than go live with my mother is what I was thinking. That's bad. I never want my son to feel that way. <laughs> but yeah, I was technically homeless in college. I was taking a class on homelessness and one of the criterion was like not having a, what was it? Not having a private place of your own to sleep. And I was like, oh yeah, I think, uh, I think sleeping in a kitchen qualifies as being homeless, right? <laughs> as I was taking the homelessness class. Amazing. Uh, yeah, dude, beg, borrow, steal. Do not go back. There's something bad that happens when you go back. You know, all those fucking naysayers, 
all those shit talkers. There's a lot of shit talkers, man. They're gonna they're gonna dash your dreams. They're gonna tell you're crazy to move. They're gonna tell you're crazy to be a comedian. You're crazy to want to be an artist. Those goddamn soul sucking naysayers. Don't you listen to them and don't you let them dream crush you and don't you tell anybody what you're doing. Don't tell them. You know I never tell people what I'm a fucking gonna do. Why why you want to tell people that don't support you? Keep it to yourself, make it happen, and then let people see how amazing you are. That's always what I've done, right? Fuck them. Don't let people know your dreams. Don't let them know your dreams. Uh, Also, a great idea that I got from Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, the little hobbit man in the vest that Oprah Winfrey loves. Uh, What's the, the power of now? Is that the fucking... God, why do these books all sound the same to me? <laughs> the light chasers, the power of now, being and now, the time is self-help. They're all, they're all, they're all the same title. Sh- same shit, different toilet. But Eckhart Tolle, um, the big one, he, the yellow one, I don't know. Um, you know, I always defer to him when I, when I am going through something as trying as a move, as trying as fighting inertia, uh, there's a great part in that. Okay, now I've got to fucking look it up. <sighs> yeah, I got to. I can't let you guys. Oh, A New Earth. Okay, Oprah's Bible. <laughs> I think Oprah Winfrey masturbates to this book every night. A New Earth. Her and Stedman rub it on each other's crotches. And it's a, for a good reason. It's pretty amazing. And The Hobbit that wrote it was suicidal. And then he had this breakthrough thought that he is not his thoughts. The ego is different than the mind or whatever the fuck. I think his breakthrough. Um, yeah. Anyway, he wrote this book that changed everybody's, every celebrity in LA loves Eckhart Tolle. Uh, and one of the thoughts that will help you and helps me and to fight inertia and to fight the stories in your head is that the idea of well, right now I'm okay. Right now, just right now, just right now, just right now, just right now. It's four in the morning, the dog's shitting, the kid's crying, I'm outside. But you know what? Right now, right now, everything's actually okay. I'm not in mortal danger. I'm not, you know, on fire. I'm not dying of some horrific disease. It's just annoying right now. What I'm going through is terrifying. Maybe my little, my little Birmingham boo-boos, you're 20 years old, you're fucking terrified you're in between the rock and the hard place. You've no money. You've no car. I know. I know. It's okay because right now you're fine. You're actually okay. Look at where you are physically right now. And that could be for anybody right now. Whatever the fuck. Right now you're okay. Unless you are on fire. I don't know. But but this moment, everything's cool. And that's the, the big takeaway with that book that everybody loves is like, and the, it's that whole horseshit of staying present, right? Everybody tells you, stay present, just stay present, just stay present. What, what does that even mean? Staying present, just stay present. What that means is, I think, your brain's going to go forward, it's going to go backwards, it's going to go everywhere. But how about right now? Right now, right now, I'm sitting here at my desk, I'm talking to you, I got my cup of coffee, I got my computer, I got a pen. Right now, everything's okay. And if I start thinking, and if I start thinking, I think, I'm going to look at the clock. Right now I got 15 minutes until I got to go shit shower, get ready to record your mom's house. I got to put on makeup because now we fucking record the thing on YouTube and I got to look decent and I don't look decent right now and then the dog's going to start shitting again. (laughs) Can't do that. But right now everything's cool. It's 10, 14 a.m. on a Monday as I'm recording this and I'm okay. I'm looking out the window. There's a hill. 
There's some trees. There's some birds. The sun is shining because I live in Los Angeles. (laughs) And you're here. You and I are here. And we're okay. And it's all good. And you're, you're fine. And you know something? You know something? Something to remember? You're going to die one day. We're all going to fucking die. Do you realize that? And every time I get caught up in something and I lose perspective, I just think, I'm going to be dead and cold and gone. You know, you're going to be a fucking urn of ashes soon enough. (laughs) And I know that's morbid. And I'm sure my therapist wouldn't approve. And I know my therapist will tell me I'm being negative, but it's not. And I'm trying to tell you this because... It's just moving. It's just your dog having diarrhea at 4 a.m. It's just your kid crying. It's just these small little things, little things that come and go, and this too shall pass, and it all does. It all changes your life. Look at the shit you were upset about a year ago. It's not the same shit, right? It just replaces itself with new shit. (laughs) That's the beauty of life. It just replaces itself with new shit, and that's how it goes. You roll into the next and into the next and into the next. But that's okay, man. That's okay. That's how it goes. That's okay. That's just how it goes. But you find your moments. You find your joy. And you move. And it's okay to be scared. I don't know why uh, we don't talk about that more. It's okay to be terrified. Life is scary. It's really scary. Because there's so much that can go wrong. And there's so much that does go wrong. I was thinking the other night, I'm not sure I do believe in a benevolent God. I don't think there is one. You know, I go back and forth, but when I look at all the random shit that happens, you think, God, really? Really? Why, why, are, why do uh, children have to be molested and, and uh, the Holocaust and all this? Why? Why? I don't know. Anyways, the point is, believe in what helps you, but it's all going to end. So don't take it too seriously, I think. Right? Don't take it too seriously. And it's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know what to do. But don't move backwards, folks. Don't go home. <laughs> don't go home again. Once you go back to the... you just, just move forward is what I'm saying. Try not to go backwards. Don't go backwards. If you're going to go, go forward in a different manner. Yeah. That and get a manicure every now and then. Makes you feel like a woman. You know what I'm saying? And also, get a fitting bra. I can't tell you how important it is to have a bra that fits right. Go to Nordstrom, spend the money, and have that lady measure you that works there. You'll be surprised how much your life changes with the right fitting bra and and underwear. Yeah. What else do I have for you? Oh, and eat breakfast. Just eat breakfast. You know, I didn't eat breakfast for so many years, and now I have omelets full of, uh, I call them omelets, full of veggies broccoli, I do cauliflower, I do um, bell peppers, mushrooms, tomatoes, spinach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Put that all in an omelet in the morning. That way you start off powerful. I'll get a little piece of wheat bread, smear some avocado on there and a cup of coffee. And you know what happens? I take a huge shit. I take a huge dump. I use my beautiful bidet. I wipe up And sometimes I shower after, but not all the time now. My life has changed with this bidet. But you set yourself up right for a nice day. Proper nutrition. I'm serious, man. Just eat breakfast. That shit will change your motherfucking life. 
Also, sidebar, had a realization about social media. Uh, Instagram. I love Instagram. I think it's really telling about people. You can learn more about somebody through what they post on Instagram than what they write on Twitter or what they pretend to have going on in their lives on Facebook. But um, I've noticed that we mimic all the dog shit that we grew up with. Meaning, uh, you'd think that with social like Instagram that you would post the truth of your life and then, you know, maybe pictures of you without everything going on and people will be like, oh, that's liberating. How cool that that's what life really looks like without makeup on. But it's weird because we're all mimicking the media stuff we grew up with. We're all trying to make our lives look like the Kardashians. Isn't that crazy? Humans are the worst. Okay, guys. Oh, before I go, I found this uh, bullshit thing on tinybuddha.com. It's called 16 Ways to Get Unstuck. All right, let's see if they're any good. I don't fucking know. Okay, number one, find the reasons why. It's all just perfect. Perfect. This dreadful, annoying, not what you planned situation is perfect. Yes, it is. Your mind will figure out how if you point it in that direction. Say to yourself, the situation is perfect because, and brainstorm five reasons. Find the truth in each of them. Now, what looks different? I don't know about that. I don't know. I guess it's perfect in the sense that you learn some kind of hard-fought lesson. I don't know if it's all perfect. I just know that this last week with my dog shitting and my baby crying in the middle of the night, that it's not perfect. It just is. And I just had to accept it. Put on a soundtrack. Hey, that's what we did today, right, guys? We listened to Head On. That's the name of that song. Yeah, music gets you somewhere. Uh, Meditate. Okay, ask yourself, what would make this fun? That's kind of true. That's what I was talking about, just enjoying the shit instead of trudging through it, right? I mean, I don't know if dog diary at 4 a.m. is fun, uh, but if you're with another person, maybe you guys could laugh about it, yeah? Uh, Time travel. (laughs) I don't know what this is. Oh, ask yourself if in a few years, if you're on the other side of the situation, what would it look like? That's, That's kind of interesting. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you need to do to take care of you right now? That's a huge one. Like, I, I love getting massages. I could use a body massage. Draw some pictures, it says. Doodle paint, make a collage. Okay. Surrender completely. Yeah, I agree with that. Just go uh, swim downstream, man. Gather new information. Speak with someone involved in the situation who's likely to see it differently than you. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay, get in the water. This is absolute truth. Swimming, uh, even taking a shower really helps, right? Go for a walk. We talk about that, of course. Go for a walk. Um, and the other ones are a little too esoteric to get into right now. But tinybuddha.com, not bad, not bad. I don't always agree with these horseshit things because the truth of it is, kiddos, the only way to get out of inertia is to do it yourself. And I think there's no one that's going to rescue you from anything nothing man be your own hero always be your own hero what other fucking truisms can i throw at you today i don't know i don't know i I, i'm all out i got nothing uh look at eckhart tolle google eckhart e-c-k-a-h-r-t-t-o-l-l-e look at this little hobbit man he's so cute god look at those piercing eyes ah that guy he's very intense he's a very intense love maker i can tell He's 68 years old. Oh, shit. He's got a spouse named Kim Eng. Kim Eng? 
She's a porn star. Okay, no. Kim Eng. Cute little Asian lady. All right, guys. God, what? I got to go. I got to go talk about farting and masturbating on my other show, Your Mom's House. Um, In the meantime, I uh, hope you're having a good week. I hope you fucking get through it all. We'll get on to the next Onward and Upward Kittens and just take a walk. I'm going to fucking take a walk, hell. Take a walk. Uh, Pray for me. Pray for my dog that she stops eating everything and giving herself diarrhea. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, Until then, that's been Deep Bros. Take care. Bye, meows. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's tea, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.